0: Hello and welcome to the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson, the podcast designed to give you all the financial advice you'll ever need. This is episode 50, where this week we're looking at sustainable and ethical investing. More on that in just a moment, but you're in exactly the right place to research for other financial advice too, because in our programs date, we've covered mortgages, investments, pensions, credit unions, self-built homes, help to buy schemes, premium bonds, life insurance, loads more. You name it, we've done it pretty much. And last week, we reviewed inheritance tax. Now we can drill down and look at pretty much anything forensically. But if you have a general financial query, first place to look is probably our back catalogue. Search the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson on Apple or whatever you get your podcasts, and you'll find us there. An enormous resource, all available for free. Find our previous shows after listening to this one and have a binge on what you need. While you're there, if you could rate and review us, maybe tell us what we need to do to help you out and follow the show. And in that way, you'll get that episode when we record it next time. I'm John Ellis. With me, as always, the star of our show, Phil Anderson. Hi, Phil. Hi, John, how are you? I
1: Good,
0: believe thank we've you. We've got to 50 episodes hey, already. I know, I know. Well, welcome to Show 50, Phil. That's some landmark. Well done. And even after that many, here's a subject I don't think we've actually really touched on before. It's sustainable and ethical investing. Now, if you're listening to us for the first time, or even if you've tried us a couple of times, and you're, you're just kind of finding your feet with the show you'll have picked up that obviously Phil is our financial expert doling out all the advice. And I don't think I should really have to qualify this, but I will ahead of asking this question just for the sake of it. I have absolutely no experience of working in the financial services sector whatsoever. So it bothers me not one jot to ask the question, what exactly is sustainable and ethical investing. My layman's guess would be that you're putting money into businesses which are trying to do good things in the world. How does that sound, Phil? Is it closest or a whale? Well? Yeah, it, it really is. Pretty much bang on, really. and
1: Over the last few years, there's been a substantial rise in the popularity of sustainable and ethical investments. And not only that, but a lot more, people are starting to become a lot more aware of it as well. I, I would say it's being driven mainly by investors, which is a, a good thing as well, rather than it being like companies promoting it, people are, are actually thinking, right, I want to take an interest in my money and where it's actually been invested. So people want to know where it's going, and that that's a good thing. So, um, I mean, there's been ethical funds have been around for quite some time now, but as a mainstream investment landscape, I mean, a, a lot of people will remain confused about some of the terminology associated with this type of investment, and and some people won't be clear on what the actual benefits are from looking at this sort of thing as well. So I just thought today would be a good show, hopefully help to provide some of the answers to, to some of the questions that people would have when they're they're trying to navigate the, the investment world. Okay, good. So let's start by, by asking, you know, why should you or why you should invest responsibly, Phil? I would say, I mean, the, as I mentioned, the concept's been, been around for decades, uh, but interest in the sector has grown really rapidly in, in recent, recent years. Um, what I'm finding, I, I read an article just the other day and it actually said that about 5% of money invested in various investment funds is now in what's classed as like ethical or sustainable investment. So that that's really good. But I, I'd say a key reason for the growth and the popularity has been more increased levels of customer awareness across mm-hmm. A range of like social and environmental issues. People like Greta Thunberg, I mean, with her being in the news quite a lot in in recent times, things like that, climate change in particular, people have got more sort of key concerns about that. And and, and with things like that being in the news a lot more, environmental campaigners, I I would say it kind of keeps the subject like really not at the top of the media agenda, but certainly it, it's always sort of up there. I know watching kind of like Sky News a lot, they, they have a lot of programs on about saving the planet and, and things like that and recycling plastics, all that sort of thing. So it, it's it's something that people are kind of generally an, an awful lot more Aware of. And I don't know, it's such an important thing as well. And and as a result, of all of that, many investors are, are increasingly looking to invest in the world's future and allocate some of their funds towards companies whose values and practices are clearly aligned with, with the client's own personal beliefs.
0: Are there trade offs, though, Phil? I mean, the, the thing that crosses my mind is serious investors invest in things that are going to make them money uh, at, at the end of the day. Is there a trade off? Do, do you have to say, right, okay, I'm going to invest in this uh, sustainable, ethical investment uh, area, but I know that it won't give me as much money back as if I put it into this. You know, is there is there a you concession?
1: Know, like, yeah, you know, like like with any investment, nobody knows how well it's going to perform. I, I actually got figures. I'll, I'll come to that just a little later in the show with, with some of the funds, but, you're not necessarily giving up performance. That's the thing with, with this either. But, but I've tended to find some some of the ethical funds have done very well over the years. What, one of the issues, that there's a lot of new funds coming out just now, and one of the problems with that is that they don't really have a, a track record, but it is, it's an area that's getting
0: bigger and bigger all the time. Okay, if it's getting bigger, what are the, the most popular areas then? What are the, the growing trends in this type of investing? Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of companies
1: are are now getting into the sustainable and ethical space. Prudential they've they've recently launched a, an ESG version of its flagship Prue Fund range, and they, they've called it Profund Planet. This is a fund that they they won't invest in things like arms companies, coal or tobacco companies. They would also avoid adult entertainment, gambling companies. So that, that's all the sort of things that they won't invest in. Fidelity, they've also just recently launched that. They, they call it a sustainable multi-asset range. Other providers such as Royal London, they, they've got quite a good ethical fund. That's one that I've, I've kind of looked at in the past for myself. They, they've committed to work and invest in companies who are aiming for a reduction in carbon emissions. They aim to be net zero across their portfolios by 2050. Recent research from Agon, it suggests that 52% of financial advisors Will consider ESG criteria, but only at the client's request. So there are still a lot of financial advisors who maybe aren't touching on this with with our clients, but a lot of the conversations are being driven by clients, which is, is, as I say, is a a really good thing. But I I think advisors have got more of a duty to make people aware of the options for sustainable and ethical investing. Do you know, the
0: the thing that you said there about the the prudential Prudential planet, which means... And with this particular fund, they won't invest in all of these things. And I'm thinking, I'm sitting there thinking, people actually invested. In, we actually invest in things like this already. Adult entertainment was it? Was there arms, the arms race, or something like that? You said, you yeah, know, the, that's the other thing, weaponry, you that got, sort of uh, thing. I know a lot of people just did not know where their
1: money is invested at all. But when you drill down in the various funds, they you, you usually can't find out the sort of companies that that the firms are investing in. But you know, like see, years ago, tobacco companies. Used to be really profitable, and and they probably still are. And it used to—I remember here there was that they stopped people smoking inside. The tax has been really heavy on on tobacco products. And I remember one day thinking, "Cheapers, how can that companies be making a big profit?" But what they were doing is they were having big, significant sales in places like Africa. So if you were invested in tobacco companies at one point in time, you were doing very well, but. A lot of people don't want to invest in companies that they see as like almost negative screening. They they think ah I don't like that. So some people have got kind of more morals than others, and and you will get some that will like I just want to invest in what's going to make me yeah. most money. But yeah, that, yeah. I, I think nowadays people are looking to invest in uh, I, I don't know becoming more aware of different options, and a lot of people want to know a bit more about where their money is actually being invested as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. So they want to make money, but they uh, they don't want to bother their conscience at the same time. Yeah. If there's one thing I hate, Phil, it's an acronym. And just going back a, a couple of steps there, you said um, uh, whether it's in offshore energy, parlance, finance, anything else, I, I don't like acronyms. You said ESG. Now, what does ESG stand for? Uh, and what does it actually mean?
1: Yeah, it's a, a relatively new term, ESG. And you'll probably hear me mention that a few times today, but. ESG, it stands for Environmental, Social, and Governance. Now, environmental criteria, an example of that would be things like carbon emissions, waste management, air or water pollution. So that would be a few examples of that. Social criteria is things like human rights, labor standards, data security. So a a company there, they, they would be looking to try and invest in a company that maybe didn't have that they paid people a decent wage and weren't exploiting them, that that sort of thing. And then the G stands for governance. So that would be, for example, board diversity, business ethics, executive remuneration, that, that would be that. So ESG, environmental, social criteria, and governance. And that that seems to be a big sort of you know, buzz phrase in, in financial services at the minute. But one of the big issues that can arise with ESG is that clients' preferences can vary greatly. The good example that I always give of this is BrewDog, so fairly local company to me, starting to become really quite well-known across the, the country. Now, BrewDog, one of the great things with them, they're committed to being carbon negative, which is a great thing. Now, most people would see that as a real good thing, but you will get some folk that think, oh, no, I don't want to be investing in a company that, like, alcohol, industry. So you, you will find even ESG incorporates like such a broad spectrum and, and it can mean different things to different people. So again, a, a financial advisor can go through people's preferences when they're speaking to them, but it is it's such an area that, like I say, it just means
0: different things to different people. Mm. And I suppose that the, the, the $64,000 question or possibly a lot more how are ESG and ethical funds actually performing? Is there, I mean, I mentioned earlier, are you acknowledging that you'll take a hit if you invest in these things? You simply, you don't know. But how are they actually performing? Yeah. I mean, what you'll find is
1: that, I mean, with that sort of funds, a lot of companies now are, are starting to have portfolios. So like and Dolphin, for example, have got various portfolios. they have got some that are for more cautious investors. They've got some that, uh, more balanced, adventurous. So a, a lot of the companies will have different portfolios available. So so when it comes to like ESG funds and ethical funds, they're not don't necessarily have to be riskier. And and what you'll find is that the higher level of risk someone will take usually over the longer term, the, the bigger re- returns will, will tend to be. The, the one thing I would say with, with kind of ESG funds is that because there's less choice of companies to invest in, then you could argue and say, well, there's less diversity, which then can mean a little bit more kind of risk and, and that. But performance-wise, I mean, o- over the last few years, there, there's growing evidence emerging to kind of suggest that companies who successfully incorporate ESG risk management policies are generally capable of sort of good to long-term like risk-adjusted returns. So I, I would say for, for investors, I mean, if you've got morals, you're not necessarily going to be penalised like on, on the returns. I mean, what, one example that I've got, the Lion Trust UK Ethical Fund. That, that's been quite a popular ethical fund over the years. In the last five years, I was having a look at statistics earlier on in the week, and that fund had gone up 88% in the last five years. Now, the UK all-companies average was 40.62%. So that one's actually more than doubled like similar types of funds. So what you've got to remember is past performance isn't a guide to future performance. But again, it's all down to the funds that you're invested in. And as I said earlier... One of the big issues, a lot of these ESG funds are quite new, so you don't really have much of a track record on performance of them. That is one of the the kind of bigger problems with ESG investing. But if you can pick a good provider, I mean, there's a lot of them. I've mentioned a few throughout the the show today. Um, What a financial advisor will do is look at not just the funds, but they'll look at the the providers to, to see who's going to be the best one for you there. As well. So, a lot, lot of good choice out there. Um, it, it's an area that's growing, as I, I mentioned. And it, it's definitely something that I think people should be kind of considering in their, their portfolios with their money, whether it be for their, their
0: pensions or other investments that they've got. This is maybe a little bit of a Hollywood way of looking at uh, investing, Phil. But you mentioned that they, they don't have that much of a, a sort of backlog of records. Is that the sort of thing then that might interest a sort of, I don't know, a high roller, a gambler, someone that takes a chance on, on, on investing because they don't have that record? Uh,
1: yeah, it's more... I mean, you, you've got... A, a lot of the companies that have that funds, they've got good track record of managing people's money over a longer period. So, And, and their ethical funds, as I mentioned, they, they have been around for, for a number of years and some of them have performed, as I say, really well. So I, I would say... It's nearly so much a gamble. I, I know a lot of financial advisors, they like funds that have been around for a bit of time and that, that have got a track record, but it's more looking at the the fund managers, the, the underlying investments, where the money has been invested, and ho- hopefully a lot of that ESG funds will do well for people over the, the longer term.
0: It still sounds a little complex to me in terms of, you know, where you start. So let's just say you, you you have a bit of money, maybe, I don't know, maybe you've inherited, maybe you've been made redundant, you've got a lump sum, and, and you're interested in investing in an ethical way. If you're looking at a sort of start at an entry point, what's the best thing to do?
1: I, I would say, I mean, again, if you're using a financial advisor, they'll, they'll generally tend to go through a few questions with you about different things. Try to find out if you have like ethical sort of concerns. How do you feel about investing they,
0: in the adult movie industry? That sort of thing. Uh, yeah. no.
1: <laughs> but like I said earlier, as well, like ESG means different things to different people, and and everybody's got their own kind of beliefs, and and that that's one of the hardest parts because. You, you might get one client that thinks, oh, I'm really keen on like almost green investing and protecting the environment. So so they may you, you may have somebody that, that, that might be high on their priority. And then you may have somebody else that, that they're more just like ethical in general. So that there is a, a lot to take into account. and um, it, it's something that I've I've kind of investigated myself. And it is it's that there's so many different bits to it and 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 you will find i mean i've had people not not so much to to myself directly but I've financial advisors i've spoke to i've heard them like some clients will say right i'm looking to invest money but i don't want to invest anything that is in this or that and and then it's up to the advisor to try and find the the best things Mm. for them because it it is like i said earlier i mean different people have got different kind of outlooks on on everything but such a growing area, and you've got so many different terminology as well, green investing, ethical investing, responsible investing, sustainable investment, uh, investing, thematic investing, value-based investing, so much to kind of cover. And, like, today is more just almost a tip of the iceberg of of it, but it is socially responsible investing and kind of ESG. It really is starting to become an
0: awful lot more popular. And it's good that people are speaking about it. That, that's one of the good things as well. Do you think that all this terminology is, is kind of like, like almost a Wizard of Oz screen that's thrown <laughs> up by the finance industry to, to make it seem difficult so that, you know, you come to the, the financial advisors almost to, to to search these things out? I know it is. And and, and you find financial advisors have,
1: or, or just financial services in general, like you say, there's too many acronyms, terminology. Uh, that's why I like to try to do the podcast, try yeah. to make things fairly simple. Uh, that's, that's it, or as simple as it can be. But that you're right, there's so many different terms. It's no wonder people get confused by it.
0: Well, maybe we should do more in, on uh, on investing in, in future weeks, Phil, and, and see if we can break down different bits yeah, of it. Yeah,
1: definitely. I think, think that would be good. And One other thing I, was, I, I meant to touch on as we were going through is a question I sometimes get asked is, oh, is it more expensive to invest in that sort of ESG funds? Mm. But generally, they, they tend to be very similar costed to, to your other funds. It doesn't seem to, to be much difference there. Again, you'll get some providers that will have cheaper funds and others that will be, be more expensive. But again, that that's all the sort of thing that someone's financial advisor would go through with them, all the various costs, mm. performance,
0: that, that sort of thing. But in general terms, nothing nothing really sticks out in terms of it doesn't cost you substantially more to invest. It, 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 you know There's the chance that it can make money for you. So really, it, it comes down to your, your moral compass and, and what you want to invest in. It's it, it like a, yeah. a free hit almost.
1: I know, definitely. Yeah.
0: And it's something you said there that you've investigated as well. Now, each week, uh, as we've covered various topics, you've given us a look back over your own story and how it's been affected by the subjects we've been discussing. So, Phil, today... Sustainable and ethical investing. What have you got on that?
1: Yeah, like ESG funds is something that I'm really keen on myself. I've got some of my pension invested in in that type of investments. It's an area that just over the next few years, I can see it growing more and more. Like the the company that I own, Phil Anderson Financial Services, set up a a kind of ESG division. I remember one day, one of the, the financial advisors that works for us came to me and he's like, Oh, I've had an inquiry, somebody wanting like ethical investments. He's like, I've just told them that we're going to get too involved in it. And I'm like, no, I was like, this is like, I was like, you need to go and read up on it. You need to, to go and find out more. Oh, when he said that, I was cracking up. I was like, because it is, it's such such an important thing as well. And I, I don't know, some financial advisors just like it easy to think, oh, we'll stick to what we've always known. And And I, I would like to see more conversations driven by advisors and speaking to people about ESG investing because it is, it's
0: it's doing so much good and and that, that's got to be a good thing. Absolutely. And Phil, we always do this bit as well. You, you find inspiration through various people you admire and you love a quote. Have you got one that fits our subject matter on sustainable and ethical investing?
1: I do. The, the quote of the week this week is from someone called Robert Swan and it's, The greatest threat to our planet is the belief that someone else will save
0: it. (laughs) Ain't that the truth. Now, uh, Phil is really keen on trying to help you with your financial queries. If you want to email a question to us, please do. And as always, we can ask them anonymously if you prefer. Uh, Let's get on to this week's contact details for you coming up. I'll give it to you after these. Now, our first question. When it comes to investing in shares, are all advisors obliged to give the best advice for you or are some limited to only recommending from a specific range of investments because their company is tied into it? What I would say is financial advisors, they won't tend to recommend specific shares. It's more stock brokers
1: that, that tend to do that. Financial advisors will tend to recommend funds that invest in almost like pooled investments that invest in a basket of shares, so to speak. You you do get two types of financial advisor. You get restricted advisors or a whole-of-market advisor or sometimes known as an independent financial advisor. Now, an independent financial advisor has to consider all types of funds, all types of products. An advisor could be restricted. Now, that might be for a couple of reasons. It could be that they're maybe tied to a specific company, So years ago, I I used to work at the Skipton Building Society. They they had a subsidiary called Skipton Financial Services. Now, at that time, they had two arms. They had Skipton Financial Services, which was an independent financial advice firm. Skipton also had an advice arm that was tied to Aviva. So that was a restricted advisor because they could only sell products from Aviva. Mm -hmm. So an advisor could be restricted in that sense. But it might also be you, you could get someone who is almost like a whole market advisor, but they may be choosing not to advise on certain areas. So they maybe think, right, we don't want to advise on venture capital trusts or EIS investments because we see them as maybe higher risk or we don't have enough knowledge of it. So they they can still choose. If someone went to them for an ISA, they, they've still got access to all the different companies, but they maybe just can't invest in the they maybe choose to restrict what areas of advice they they advise on, so you've got restricted advisors and independent whole market advisors.
0: I suppose as well, you know, when you're talking about the sort of restricted areas, they flip that the other way and say we are experts in advising in these areas. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, you could get somebody who says, "Oh, we're more like a specialist in this sort of area," so they, that that could almost be their their counter argument. I've always kind of said. An independent financial advisor should, in theory, be, be better. But in reality, what you'll tend to find is most IFAs will, they'll have, like, preferred companies that they think, right, we know this one's good for that or this one's good for that. So although they're independent, they, they do have
0: their, Kind of favourites as well, I would say. It's down to, to relationship building, I suppose, as well, and in and what they then believe to be good for their their customers. So they're, yeah. they're they're recommending what they they think is is going to benefit their customer. Just um coming back on that, you said that some advisors will will offer a, a sort of basket of share investments to maybe ISA customers, for instance. Yeah, that's that's what I remember in in the limited time that I had an ISA, which is oh crikey, almost thirty years ago. Where there was one which I think we invested in, in European markets, which were thought to be more stable, and then one which invested in I think it was probably Asian uh, markets, which were thought to be less stable, but with the the chances of returning a greater profit potentially. Going back to what you said, and this is obviously what's, what's hooked my interest in this episode, Phil. Yeah, back to what you said about not knowing what's what's in these baskets. How do you how would you find that out? Because you, you you don't know if you're investing in a sort of moral way, then do you? Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of the funds,
1: I mean, you, you get, I mentioned that, like that Lion Trust ethical fund. So the, the name kind of suggests that it's ethical. So there you would kind of think that it's going to be a pretty, yeah. just the name suggests that it's going to be be quite good for somebody looking, for example, for a, an ESG type yeah, investment. Yeah. But most of the providers, they, they'll have some sort of fund fact sheet. That's quite good. Now, like their, their fund, It's called UK Ethical Fund. Now, when I go onto the fact sheet for that, it tells me that they've got 91.9% invested in the UK. They've got 6.9% in Ireland, a wee bit held in in cash. So the the fund fact sheets are really good. I I can then find out that they've got 27.5% of that fund is in financials. So that's like financial services companies they've got about almost a quarter of it in information technology about 10 percent in industrials utilities companies make up 6.8 percent so you can actually start to go down and, and there it then starts to show me like some of the the top 10 holdings they, they've got money invested some of these companies you, you wouldn't have heard of and some some you will but they, they've got a quite a big weight in at the minute towards financial services companies. So they've got money invested with Prudential, Hargreaves Lansdowne, Legal in general. So you can actually then start to drill down and say, oh, look, they're investing in this sort of companies. There's one there that the top holding at the minute is Smurfit Kappa. I don't know anything about that, but I, I could then type that in and say, right, who's that company? What is it they do? Why are they maybe in this kind of ethical fund? Because this fund manager must think, right, they're quite an ethical company, but it's good. And and you get, I mean, that's just a UK fund, but you get worldwide funds. You can then look and say, right, where are they investing? What companies? You you tend to find a lot of your big investment funds will tend to invest in companies like Shell, BP, GlaxoSmithKline. They're companies that over a longer period usually tend to do quite well. But then, an ethical investor might—they're nearly going to be one—invest into companies like BP and Shell. So, it, that is that—that's where drilling down into it and your advisor can have a look at all that sort of thing, really, to make sure
0: that your investment preferences are what you want them to be. Absolutely, Smurfit Kappa. I've never heard of as well. Papa Smurf, I've heard of. Uh, could it be Papa Smurf IT? Do you think? i <laughs> <I've laughs> heard be- of Kappa. Did, Kappa used to be a clothing company.
1: Did it? Oh, I is think? it spelled but, that way? Is it K A P P A? Is it K A P P A? So it's oh. Smelt. I've actually, I've just looked it up on my my computer, and it says here Smurfit Kappa Group is Europe's leading packaging company and one of the leading paper-based packaging companies in the world, oh, wow. listed on the London Stock Exchange. I did it. I, when I saw Cap, I thought, well, I wonder if that's anything to do with the clothing. <laughs> I didn't think it was, but so just but again, when, when you type that into Google, it, one of the first things that comes up is it says products and services, people, yeah. sectors, investors. One of the bits that it comes up is sustainability. So uh. so again, they, they must be be kind of good there. They've set targets for kind of sustainable business practices. So, it is. It's good. You, you can then look into the funds and say, right, where what companies are they investing in. And then look at the companies and at the click of a button, you can get a lot of information these days as well.
0: And apologies to you if you you know like the head honcho of Smurf at Kappa, and we had no idea who you are or what you did. Obviously, you're you're a much bigger company than either of us ever worked for. So again, going back to when I did invest thirty odd years ago, Phil, what you're saying is I probably did come up with a pamphlet or a booklet, and it's just down to me. I've used it to prop up the wonky leg of my coffee table rather than read who it was that I was investing in. So it's, it's my fault, really. Next is Darren in Perth, who says he's 22 and having real difficulty getting on the property ladder. He's wondering if there are any providers who offer longer than a 25-year term on a mortgage, because he thinks that would then lower his monthly repayments and he might be able to afford more. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the, the, the longer you take a mortgage out
1: over, the lower your payments are going to be. The downside to that is the longer you take it out over, the more interest you'll pay over the longer period. But they, there are plenty of lenders that will consider extending the terms Quite a lot of lenders will let you go up to age 70 these days. There are a few out there that will let you go up to age 75. I've seen plenty of people take out more 30-year mortgages quite common these days, rather than 25 used to be the kind of standard one that people would start off with in the past. But I I have seen some people take out mortgages even over like 35 years as well, just to try and make the payments more affordable. But the term that you would get would all be dependent on your age. And if he's
0: 22, he could easily take... 30 years or or 35 years without much trouble at all. So it's just a matter of asking either his bank or his financial advisor or whoever, his mortgage broker, whoever's setting it up. Yeah, Okay. Would you say as well, before you get in touch with a question, you might want to take a look at our back catalogue because we've covered a, a fair few topics and we may well have touched on what you're interested in. I'm John Mellis, thank you for joining us today for the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson. If you feel you need a helping hand with anything we've been discussing or anything else of a monetary matter, find Phil for finance. Search Phil Anderson Financial Services online or on the Facebook page for the show. Search Personal Finance with Phil Anderson. That's Personal Finance with Phil Anderson on Facebook. Phil's on Twitter and LinkedIn as well, or Why not email Phil a question that he can answer on a future program? His address is phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. That's phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. Send him your question and Phil could be answering it in an upcoming podcast, as I say. And please be assured we won't use your real name if that is what you prefer. Remember, if you found this useful, please rate and recommend us. And please follow us on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. And that way you'll get us every week with the info you want when you need it you'll get all the links you need on phil's social media good luck with your money phil's doing his best to help make that cash go further we'll see you next time and thanks for listening.